Good morning. I'm Darrell Gunter, your host for Leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM and streaming on the net at WSOU.net. Today, we're very honored to have as our in-studio guests, Mr. David Meerman Scott, the author of The New Rules of Sales and Service. And I must say, this is his 10th book, and it is an exciting book. David, welcome to the program, and thank you for interrupting your very busy schedule Oh, today. well, thanks very much for having me on, Darrell. And we're looking forward to you sharing not only your thoughts about on leadership, but let's talk about the book, The New Rules of Sales and Service. So to kick things off, David, can you share with our audience a little bit about your background? It's very interesting as to how you got into this whole profession of educating the world about sales, service, and social media. Sure, absolutely. So um, my first job was actually on a bond trading desk. I worked at a bond trading desk at Dean Witter, and I found I liked the the technology side of, of uh, the financial markets better. So I ended up um, working for um, about 15 years in and around the online news business. Um, uh, and I worked in Asia for almost 10 years um, and on Wall Street. And then um, in 2002, I ended up um, getting fired from my job. And it was the best thing that ever happened to me because it was right at the time, right at the cusp of the ideas that we now call social media, the ideas that you can create your own content on the web, whether it's in the form of blogging or uh, social networking, um, you know, Facebook, Twitter, all those sorts of things which came since then. And so for the last um, uh, approximately 12 years, I've been evangelizing the ideas of how people can make themselves more successful and be better at their jobs by creating content on the web and sharing content using social media. That is excellent. That is excellent. I tell you, uh, reading your book, I just burst, came away with bursting with so many good ideas, but <laughs> also some validation of some things that, that I feel that consultative salespeople should do. But what prompted you? I mean, this is your 10th book, and I know you yes. dedicated it to your, your grandmother, and I really love what she said. Uh, and that is, yeah. you know, if you want to receive letters, you have to write letters. Yeah, my grandmother um, sadly passed away you know, a number of years ago, but she always used to tell me that. She would say, David, if you want to get a letter, you have to send someone a letter first. If you want to get a postcard from someone when they travel, send somebody a postcard when you travel. And I just loved, always loved and always remembered that philosophy from my grandmother Jones. And um, I just thought, why not dedicate this book to her? Because it's really the same idea as selling. Um, the idea that the salespeople and the businesses that are the most helpful in today's world are the ones that tend to get the most business. And um, salespeople who are actively doing the high-pressure sales don't do as well as salespeople who operate on the philosophy that they want to be helpful and they want to educate and inform people. And there's a, you know, many different ways that that education and information can be delivered, but one of the easiest ways is to be able to deliver that information online because, after all, in these, in these days, any of us who are interested in buying products or services are going to the web for answers. We go to Google, we ask our friends on social networks, and 
it's the smart salespeople, the smart companies who understand that and take advantage of that opportunity. And, you know, it is about a change of leadership. You, 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 you know, you sprinkled that throughout your book in regards to uh, folks really adopting these new rules is that the leaders need to change. Yeah. And, 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 and in your opinion, you, I mean, you and I both, both worked on Wall Street. We worked for information companies. Mm-hmm. And we've seen the sales from the hard sales tactics. And now we're into the consultative phase. How do you get someone who is a senior leader of an organization, president's chief operating officer, to change? Now you're, 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 you're absolutely in, the I think, the most difficult aspect of where sales is right now. Um, what I see, and I travel all over the world um, delivering speeches. I've, I've presented in, in 40 countries, and ev- practically every week I'm, I'm off somewhere meeting somebody uh, and delivering some presentation. And, and what I continually observe is that many actual salespeople, bag-carrying salespeople like, like I used to be, like you used to be, are... Um, uh, see, see the change, understand the change. You know, they realize that it's important to be on LinkedIn. It's important to have a great profile on LinkedIn. It's important to share information with people uh, on uh, uh, on email or on social networks rather than hoarding that information and only dribbling it out at certain times the way that we used to. So the average individual contributor kind of gets that. The challenge, though, is that their managers um, are still managing to the old rules. And the old rules were you had to do this many cold calls, you had to book this many meetings, you had to have um, this many um, uh, discussions of the product, you had to then, you know, they, they, could, they sort of mathematized the idea of the selling process. And, and they've implemented the systems that allow them to manage to that formula. And so all of the various uh, Salesforce automation systems, uh, all of them were built in the days of the old selling model, the old hardcore cold calling selling model. So, you know, if a, if a sales manager, a VP uh, person is looking over their shoulder using those Salesforce automation tools, managing a group of salespeople, They'll say, well, how come you haven't made three, um, 35 cold calls this week? How come you haven't booked 14 meetings this week? And if the salesperson says, well, I've been updating my LinkedIn profile and sending people information through LinkedIn, well, that's, that's not important. That's not selling is what the sales managers say. And, and it's hard to argue with the sales managers because they became successful in the, in the 1980s, the 1990s, and the early 2000s, before we had all these tools available at our disposal. And the, the senior executives, the C-suite, reward those sales vice presidents to, as managers based on the things that got them to be successful, which are back in the old days. Now, that is a huge, huge challenge to overcome. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Because you're talking about informing and educating customers versus strong arming them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's, and it's a huge difference. And and you know, like 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 I said, and like you clearly understand, we, you know, we've we've both lived this world. That was the way you were successful in the past. I mean, we would hoard information. You know, you you wouldn't give out your pricing information, for example 
until the deal was getting ready to close. But now people can figure out your pricing information just by going on the web and doing a search or, or, or contacting their LinkedIn network. I mean, you know, that, that information is easy to get, yet the yet vast majority of companies keep that kind of information as proprietary. And that's just one example. You know, I, I fully agree with, with your hypothesis and your statements in regards to giving information because if, you're, if you can inform your customer and educate them and they call you, that means that they're already they're half, more than halfway there in regards to wanting to buy and purchase your products. But hoarding information restricts that, and then the salesperson's got to determine what information to give them. And let's face it, all salespeople are not equal. Right. Oh, and that's that right. And that's absolutely correct. I mean, you know, just think of any product that you've bought in the last you know, couple of years, certainly any product that was more than just a a real minor purchase, but whether it was for something for your your personal life or maybe a business product that you purchased. I have two examples there in my life. I wrote wrote about them both in the book. Um, The first one is I wanted to go to Antarctica. I really wanted to go to Antarctica. And so, like many people, I started at Google, and I typed in Antarctica travel. And a bunch of different results came up. I saw the most... Um, uh, the most famous result was National Geographic, uh, and they were trying to sell to me before I was ready. You know, basically they had this big old button on the home page that said res- request a reservation. And then I went to um, the one that had the best search engine optimization, and they hit me with this big form that I had to fill out in order to get information. I had to actually register with them and become a lead for them before they'd give me any information. I, uh, and I, then I found one called Quark Expeditions, and they were providing all sorts of really interesting and valuable information for me without trying to sell to me, without trying to get me to become a lead. And just like you said, I went way beyond the halfway point. I probably went to 80% of the way that I was ready to buy two tickets, one for me and one for my wife, to Antarctica, based just on the information on the site, their Twitter feed, um, and um, and some of their YouTube videos, and I even connected with them on Twitter, and I even connected with the CEO of Quark on Twitter, and then um, when I was ready and I actually did um, contact the salesperson, that salesperson knew that I had already done my research, and his job went from selling me to providing me with just a little bit more information to get me to finish the sale. And guess what? The sale was $20,000. Two tickets to Antarctica aren't cheap. <laughs> right. <laughs> and and, and, and it, was, it was done with a minimal amount of effort by the salesperson, just you know, providing the, the last little push to get me over the top. But the other things, I mean, I really enjoyed that in all of your stories, but I really enjoyed this one because they had a situation where they would take pictures and allow you to share pictures. And and typically when you go, like we went on a cruise a couple of years ago, you know, they took pictures, but of course they were very expensive. But right. here in Cork, they shared their pictures with you. Yeah, that was really remarkable, actually. Exactly. I, I went to the Galapagos Islands with a, with a, with a different company. And at, the end of the, and at the end of the trip, they were selling a CD for $50 with some pictures that were taken. And I'm like, well, okay, whatever, whatever, I'll buy them. But, you know, I didn't feel really very good about it. And then with Quark Expeditions, they gave us, everyone who was on the ship, they gave a CD with, filled with the photographs from the expedition. And they even encouraged, and these were all taken by professional photographers who were on board the expedition. And they even encouraged us to share those images 
on social networks. And I put a picture of me jumping into the water from the Quark Expedition ship onto my Facebook. And it turned out it was the most liked and most commented picture I'd ever put on Facebook because people just loved the idea of me jumping into the water. You can see um, icebergs in the background. It's a radical picture. <laughs> I got to go. You know, we're connected on Facebook, so I have yeah. to go back and, see, and look uh, at that it's one. A radic- <laughs> it's a radical picture. And, um, and, but here's the thing. that I had... I, I had something like, I can't remember the number, but something like 150 people liked it. I mean, there was a lot of people. And every one of those people could potentially want to go to Antarctica. And one of my friends actually did, as a result of that picture, said, hey, we've been thinking about going to Antarctica for a long time. Um, would you recommend going with these guys? And I said, yes, I would recommend. And in fact, I'm connected on Twitter with the CEO. I, I then made an introduction, and they bought two $20,000 tickets. The reason that happened was because they gave us free access to the photographs that were taken on the ship to use in our social media. So, so you think about it, that $50 that the other people charge you, this is almost like the $20,000 picture. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, and, and I'm just one of their, uh, of their um, you know, people who are on that expedition. There are another hundred of us. And, you know, I, and any one of us could have had a, a similar situation like this. So, you know, it's just a long way of saying that our world has changed. And the idea that you... You know, you hoard information, you make people buy it, you only, you know, the only way to get pricing information is to talk to a salesperson, the only way to get access to the picture is to buy it, the only way to learn the product specs are to wait for the salesperson to come and pull out a PowerPoint presentation or hand you a, uh, a brochure, those days are over. People can now go on the web, do their research, figure out... Um, uh, uh, what people are saying, what the review sites are saying, and and then make decisions accordingly. You know, we only have 29 minutes, and I'm going to have to have you back on a program because I have a whole list of questions for you. But let's talk about the key principles of the new rules of sales and service. There's authentic storytelling, yeah. content, big data, agile selling, real-time engagement. And Talk, talk us through these key principles of sure. these new rules. Absolutely. So um, the first one um, is, is, is storytelling. And, you know, when I say storytelling, I don't mean f- making up a fairy tale. But what I do mean is the idea that you can um, create a compelling story around your um, business and that um, compelling story becomes uh, the reason that people become interested in you. And um, so that, that actual sort of um, storytelling comes from the top. It typically comes from the CEO or comes from the founder of the company. You know, what do you do that's different? Why should we pay attention to you? What's the story around what your business does? Um, now, in the case of um, a company that I loved interviewing, um, Basement Systems, um, Larry is the CEO and founder of this company called Basement Systems. And the story around Basement Systems, they actually um, created a technology, and Larry has something like 20 patents, on a technology to make your, your basement space into dry, usable space. Uh, and 
what he did was he realized that other people who were working in the contracting business um, were were doing the sort of the hard sell, and they were focused more on on what um, I'm just trying to wrestle people to the ground, and you know they were pretty much seen as dishonest. But Basement Systems' story is, you know what? We are the honest guys. We're going to put it all up front. We're going to um, we're going to we're the fastest growing. We're the largest. He's built a huge business as a result. But he himself, Larry, the founder CEO, is very very visible in the business. Very very visible visible on social media. He actually blogs every single day. It's just pretty remarkable. So that's the idea of story. What's the story in your business? Um, content is the link between buyers and sellers. And we've talked about that already in the past uh, 15 minutes or so. For example, with Quark Expeditions, on their website, they have so much information that's important uh, to me, and I was able to access that. So, so content, very big, very big and very important. Big data is kind of a buzzword, but I, um, the idea of big data becomes you can analyze so many things down to minute details that can help you to understand where buyers are in the buying process. So, for example, if somebody's on your website, you know exactly what page they visited if they happen to reach out to you, and you can respond accordingly to that exact same, uh, based on that exact page that they visited. If one of your LinkedIn um, connections gets a new job and that person um, is somebody that you've sold to in the past, that can be a trigger for something that you can do to help sell uh, them in the, in the future. And there's so much of this data, and it's so complicated that mere humans can't calculate it, so it has to be done through technology. The, the last two, agile selling and real-time engagement, are, are very much linked. It's the idea of speed. It's the idea of instant engagement. It's the idea that um, selling is no longer on the salesperson's time frame. It used to be, but no more. Now it's on the buyer's time frame. When a buyer is ready, a buyer is ready. Uh, so you have to be prepared to act. Um, I'll illustrate that with a little story. Um, I, I run, I maintain a little office in the town that I lived in, live in outside of the Boston, mm-hmm. outside of Boston, and I wanted to move office space from one floor to another, one small office to another small office. I sent photographs and a description of the move to three different moving companies I found through a Google search. And I said, hey, you've got to move from one floor to another, same building. Um, here's my stuff with the photos, and I want to do it in this, you know, around this particular time frame. Uh, can you help me? So one company got back to me in two hours with a detailed price quote. The second company got back to me six hours later with a phone call. The first company got back, got back to me by email, by the way. Mm-hmm. The second company got back to me with a phone call six hours later and said, please call me back. And the third company got back to me also by email. By the way, I, I made the inquiry by email. The third company got back to me by email the next morning with a price quote that was lower than the first. And I went with the first company. I went with a higher price quote. Why? Because they got back to me right away. And I'm thinking to myself, you know what? These guys are going to be reliable. They're going to show up on time. They're going to do the work as promised because they don't waste my time. They, they got back to me right away. And they didn't call me and ask me to waste my time to call them. Uh, uh, so 
that's just one example, but this idea of instant and real time is becoming very, very important. Um, you can follow the news in real time about what companies are doing, and that can, um, can, can really help out your business. The whole idea of Twitter is all real time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A very long answer to a very simple question. <laughs> well, you know, no, that's an excellent answer, and when folks read your book, it, it's really going to come alive because, you know, you, you, you talk about giving – the customers or prospects or, or who you're working with, give them information that makes them think about their current situation, their current status, which really raises the value proposition. This is the one thing that I loved about uh, your book. It, it, it's all about giving them information that helps them to make better decisions. Exactly. That's exactly right. Exactly right. And, and that just increases the value proposition. Yeah. It does, and because, you know, we're making our own decisions these days. You know, we, we used to have to be at the mercy of the process that a company put us through. I mean, just think, for example, of the last major purchase you made. You know, maybe you bought a car. I mean, in my, my case, I remember we made a really major decision recently. Not recently, actually, a couple of years ago, but when we were looking for a university for our, my daughter. Yes, yes. You know, a huge, huge purchase, money, time, you know, it's just an important thing. You know, most of those decisions now are made online. Uh, you know, you may not actually book the order online, but everything happens online. You do your research, you ask questions. Uh, you, you know, you, you figure everything out ahead of time, and a salesperson think about buying a car, you know, by the time you walk in the dealership, you've, you've educated yourself. Um, and, and even just a few years ago, that was impossible. That's right. When you That's entered the dealership, um, there are still many, many questions you had about that car. That's right. That's right. Uh, I, I find that oftentimes, unfortunately, I know more about the car than the salesperson does. <laughs> yeah, that can happen. Then. <laughs> but... Um, you know, I, 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 when I read the book, I, I just said, wow, how did you decide to really settle in on those five principles? Because you could have written a book about each principle. Yeah, I probably could. Yeah, exactly. Um, I just thought, um, I, I looked at it, and, and you'd appreciate this, I looked at it um, from the perspective of someone who spent much of my career in the information business. And, uh, and actually, even more specifically, a bunch of years in the real-time information business. And, and you know, in, in the real-time information business, um, th- that content is the, the um, source for financial information professionals to make or lose millions of dollars uh, on, on, um, the tra- in the trading environment. Uh, or in the investment environment. And I just realized that there were so many parallels between what I used to do back in the days before the web around helping to d- the financial markets um, participants to make money. That is absolutely the same parallel to what's happening in everybody's world today. And, you know, 
Back in the day, 20 years ago, you know, uh, uh, the average bond trader had to pay $20,000 a month for information. You know, you had to have your Reuters feed, your Dow Jones feed, your Bloomberg feed. You had to have your real-time data. You had to have your charting applications. What's really interesting now is that we all have access to that information for free. Right. It may not be exactly the same, but it sure is darn close it's, enough. It's pretty close. And it's yeah. all sitting for free on Google. It's all sitting for free on the other search engines. It's all sitting for free on the social networks. And I realize that as a decision-making tool, buyers are no different than a bond trader was back in the day. And they're all making their own independent decisions based on Um, what they're seeing on the web, and that means the nature of selling has completely and utterly changed. And I just felt like I was seeing something that other people were also kind of feeling, but no one had really articulated yet. So I figured, well, shoot, I got a, I got an idea here. I better get it down on paper. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, our time is flying by, and I'm going through my notes here, and I said, well, let me, let me choose wisely. One of the examples for our last segment, one of the examples that I absolutely loved was the car repair. Yeah. Very, very innovative. I have not... I have not seen no one do it here in New Jersey. I've never heard of anybody do it either. I just threw it out there to see if, (laughs) and so far no one's told me that they had. Yeah, so, I mean, we've all had to, well, those of us who had cars, we've all had to um, take our cars to the, to the, to either get its annual service or, you know, something funky going on, you know, you hear a sound or whatever it is, you need to get it fixed. And, um, when I ever, when I ever, when I ever get my car serviced, it seems like every time, I get the phone call, right? And the phone call is like, oh, God, here's the phone call. Oh, David, we just wanted to let you know we completed your annual service, but. And I'm like, oh, God, what's the but, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and then they name some obscure part that needs to be replaced. I mean, sometimes it's the tires. I get that. But, you know, they'll say your rocker arm is going to need to be replaced. I'm like, well, what the heck is a rocker arm, right? And, and I'm thinking to myself, well, why, why call me on the telephone? while my car is in the shop and tell me that and it just it always feels like now i i trust my dealer i think my rocker arm probably is broken and needs to or needs to be repaired or whatever it is i don't think they're trying to pull a fast one on me and cheat me but at the same time why not actually take a photograph of my rocker arm and then send that together with a pdf on what a what a rocker arm does and, and and email it to me, um, or, or 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 even send it through a social network if if you if that's the way I prefer, um, rather than the phone call. You know why not use it as an opportunity to educate and inform a customer? Uh, why not use it as a way to say, hey, you know, we recognize you may not care, and if not, then no need to even read this. But if you do care. This is what happened to your part. See, it's worn here on the edge, and a good rocker arm. See, here's the other example of a good one. This is what it looks like, uh, and we need to replace yours because if we don't, your car is going to break, and we don't want it to break when you're on the highway or, or you know, whatever it is. I don't even know what a rocker arm is, but right. <laughs> last, last, last time I think it was my, I don't know, it was something like that, you know. I don't know, whatever, my brake drum or some, some darn thing. So it just seemed to me like there could be a new model for how, auto repair shops um, do that kind of sales. I mean, I, I think that is so perfect because, you know, I might be in a situation where maybe I, I'm in a meeting, I can't talk, but then I take a break, I can then look at the video, I can educate myself. 
and then I can call you back and say, okay, okay, we, we need to get that repaired because I, I have a good repair guy here um, in, in South Orange where I live. And, uh, you know, he always saves the parts for me. And, or, or, or if I'm at home, he'll say, okay, come take a look. And I'll, right. go, I'll actually go in the shop and, and take a look. But, oh, okay. But That's cool. He, I've never had that before. Oh, oh yes. Yeah, Steve. I suppose if I asked, they would do it. But. Yeah. Steve at Monty Motors is great. But the thing about it, he could easily just, you know, send me a quick video. And I go, oh, okay, yeah, it's got to be replaced. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. And, and, and the way I look at it is... It is nice for that for me for the for the person that he's dealing with, but just like that quark expedition story we we, we talked about at the at the top of the um, show, it serves as a way for that particular shop to um, to gain followers because I'd talk about it. You would probably talk about it if you got. I'm mean, saying, oh Absolutely. my god, my car dealer sent me a video of my broken part. How radical is that? <laughs> you know, I'd be talking about it, and then maybe they'd get new customers as a result. They certainly will. Well, uh, David, believe it or not, we are out of time. That was fast. That was fast. We're gonna ha- we're gonna have to schedule you to come back on. To there's so much more to go over your book, the new rules of sales and service. Uh, I says I said to my wife, this is a book that I said to myself, well, I would like to have written. Uh, I have some different flavors that are similar, but some differences. But you have nailed it, my friend. This Thank is, you. This Thank is, you. I appreciate it. This is a must read. I'm going to recommend it to all of my uh, groups that I involved with in consultative sales. So, and incidentally, there's a lot of things that the students can use to get that first job. Oh, absolutely. There's, as I said, there's so much more for us to talk about. Yeah. And where, and where can folks get your book? I know it's on Amazon.com. Uh, it should be Barnes most everywhere. It's on the online sites, and um, hopefully it's in the stores, um, local stores, Barnes & Noble and the other local stores. Wonderful. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that closes our show for today. We're here with Mr. David Merriman Scott, author of The New Rules of Sales and Service, as our in-studio guest. David, thanks again for your time today. Thanks, Darrell. Awesome to speak with you. This is Darrell Gunter, your host of Leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM at Seton Hall University. Remember, leadership begins with you. Have a great weekend.